17 minutes past eight. Um, we do have uh, this morning Choose Hawk special show under the title Home coming up tomorrow. And this next interview kind of sets us up for the theme because we can delve tomorrow into various situations concerning refugee issues. But we right now welcome on the line a Syrian refugee who was stranded at a Malaysian airport for seven months. Anyone who's been stranded at an airport for anything like seven hours would, I'm sure, feel like they're going slightly crazy with the suffocation of it and the frustration. Just imagine seven months. Uh, Hassan Al-Kantar did eventually settle in Canada, and that's where he is on the line right now, joining us to discuss one man's story, a nation's tragedy. Good to have you with us. Good morning from Seoul. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. By the way, did you have any idea when that seven-month period started that it would turn out to be anything like seven months? Well, let me correct you. It, it was seven months at the airport, followed by two months in Malaysian detention jail. So in total, it's eight, nine months. Well, that's even worse. Uh, yes. <laughs> But uh, when I trapped, I knew that it's going to take a while and that I'm in problem, in a serial problem, but I never imagined that it would take that much time. Uh, when I trapped, I knew that I have no other solution because I tried them all and they did not work. Uh, no other country will allow me to enter and I don't have any visa for any other country. We as Syrians are not welcome in the most countries in the world, so I knew I am in a serious problem. I tried to solve it by sending emails to organizations, NGO, uh, UNHCR, United Nations Human Rights, uh, other embassies, other ministers, but um, I did not. Uh, they did not reply. Uh, I get no answer. So that's when I decided to take it to the social media. Let's just take a quick step back. So. Tell us about the journey from Syria and how you ended up in Kuala Lumpur International Airport. It was 2006 when I left Syria for the first time. I went to Dubai in United Arab Emirates. Uh, until 2011, I was legal. Everything was great. Until the Syrian war started in 2011, I lost my work permit there. And so I became illegal and run hiding in United Arab Emirates. And it's not a refugee country. I cannot asylum, uh, seek asylum there. They uh, captured me. They jailed me for two months and they deported me to Malaysia. In Malaysia, I uh, overstayed for one month. I tried to go to Ecuador, but Turkey Airlines did not allow me to board. They canceled my ticket. I, uh, then after that, I went to Cambodia, but the Cambodian authorities did not allow me to enter, and they sent me back to Malaysia the same day on the same plane, and there when I stuck at the airport. It's a r- remarkably odd situation for most of us who never have that kind of experience. Sometimes people in Korea wonder how refugees from places like Syria end up in countries like Korea. We, we had this with hundreds of Yemeni refugees, for example. Can you help us better understand that? Like why the, the sort of thinking that goes into trying to choose a country to go and live in? 
Let me start with uh, one thing I never said before uh, on media. During my time at the airport for the seven months, I met so many people, especially from Yemen and Egypt, people who turned back from the South Korean uh, airport authorities. They did not allow them to enter. So they end up stacking in Malaysia uh, 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 airport. Uh, with me for like a week or 10 days sometimes because uh, South Korea did not allow them to enter. Why? Because people are desperate. Um, they have no other solution. They are seeking a peaceful place, a place where can they uh, where can they work, uh, establish a family, where can they have uh, a financial stability. Uh, South Korea is one of that countries, a country where respect uh, humans, where humans have value. Way, uh, where they can find some future or hope. That's why they turn, uh, like, they like to go to such a places because they think they will be safe there with some dignity and rights. The other thing is people have this idea as, or, or, or idea of people from countries like Syria. It's like everyone's just kind of of the same religion, the same ethnicity, but that's not actually true, is it? Can, can you tell us about your own ethno-religious minority? Yeah, it's not true at all, but uh, people, they will always uh, uh, have this pattern in their mind because of the media, that if you are an Arab, uh, you are uh, belong to certain religious, and that's not the truth. In Syria, for example, we have 18 different uh, religious and uh, uh, minorities, and ethnic minorities, actually, 18 different. Uh, I belong to a small minority called Druze myself, which is totally different than Islam. I have nothing uh, against Islam or Christianity or Buddhist or anything. Uh, I believe in humans as humans. But uh, that will cause us problems as Arabs because they don't know who we are or to whom we belong. There was a time when the um, homeland minister in Malaysia Hold the Brazilians, and he said we suspect that he is from ISIS. We need to uh, uh, investigate him before we allow him to enter. And all what he needed to do is to Google my name or to know that I belong to a minority, and I cannot be an ISIS. I'm a target for ISIS. So it would be even more dangerous for you to go back to Syria, even with all the dangers that everybody faced there. Exactly, exactly. Um, we are a result of violence. We are not causing the violence. We are the people who refuse to be a part of this war, refuse to be a part of a killing machine to destroy my own, our own houses or to kill our own brothers. So we fled because we don't want to be a part of this bloody war. But we are the one who paid the price the most, actually. Some of us will have seen the uh, Tom Hanks movie, The Terminal. Um, what was the reality of, of actually living in uh, an airport for seven months? Well, uh, that's a, a typical question in all my interviews, actually. Did you see Tom Hanks' movie? And I would say yes, but uh, he was having Catherine jo- Zeta-Jones. I had no one. Bring me Catherine, and I will wait for as long as she wants. That was my answer. But the reality is uh, that with the small daily issues or problems, uh, there's uh, such a similarity. But still, you need to think about the seven months as uh, hours and minutes, real minutes. And to live on a chair or under an escalator for seven months, that's uh, hard. 
endless waiting time uh, where small problems will become a major issues how to take a shower when to take a shower how to clean your clothes where to dry them if you want to clean them even a cup of coffee it was a little bit of challenge i uh, the uh, duty free was above me one floor above me and i had no access so i had a struggle a daily struggle to get a cup of coffee for seven months uh it's difficult and uh, now when i recall the m- memories and the moments in my mind i start questioning myself how i did it i did it because i had hope uh, i did it because i restore hope and i had a goal to explain the situation the syrian situation the type of racism we are facing since 2011 we are not a bad people we are not a terror people we are an educated cultured uh, skilled worker people who can fit easily in any community and we can be an extra value to any community so uh, when i start explaining that situation uh, to the um, global media i become a man uh, a proud man believing in myself believing in what i'm doing so all the small things uh how to sleep or when to sleep or even the jail after that it was not a big issue right just an incredible story and i wish we had a lot longer to discuss some of those human thoughts the natural fears and hopes that kept you going through that time but you ended up in canada Are you happy there now? Have you been reunited with your family? Uh am I happy? Uh, absolutely. Uh, all what I was asking for is a, is a place where I can be permanently safe, a place where I can uh, it ca- I can call it home, uh, where I can work and Canada give uh, all of that to me in one package. It's a place uh, where I can say it's uh, defined uh, it's guided by rules and defined by kinds the canadian people are so polite so gentle uh, people and generous people so i am i cannot uh, complain anymore uh, no i did not reunited with my family it's still difficult very difficult to see them the last time i saw them it was uh, late 2008 and and can i just that, clarify which family members are they that that you're missing uh, uh all of them i lost my father in 2016 i lost my brother in law in 2013 i could not be there in both occasions and that's a type of sadness you know that it will totally break you and you will never forgiver for recover from it because i was not there during the time they needed me the most but uh, i decided to move on i still have my mother Uh, my sister and her son and my uh, brother and my sister in law and we are expecting a new member to be added to our family in uh, in a week so uh, it has been like 10 years 11 years now since the time i saw them uh, i miss them a lot and uh, this is the only thing uh, i'm working on to to see them one more time. Well, we wish you all the best Hassan Al-Kantar. Thank you very much. Incredible story. Thank you very much for taking the time.